Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Matthew. Hey there, faithful listeners. Happy Thursday. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast this morning, and this is your host, Jen. We are talking about Matthew chapter 21 today, verses 1 through 17. We're finally getting onto the chapter where uh, Jesus is presented as the Hosanna in Jerusalem. So let's talk about this. So grab your Bible and your cup of coffee. I will be reading out the WEB version of the Bible this morning. When they came near to Jerusalem and came to Bethsphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village that is opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring it to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king comes to you, humble, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9 verse 9. The disciples went and did just as Jesus commanded them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The multitudes who went in front of him and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was stirred up saying, Who is this? The multitude said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Jesus entered into the temple of God and drove out all of those who sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the money changers' tables and the seats of those who sold the doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of thieves. The lame and the blind came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children who were crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Did you never read, out of the mouth of children and nursing babies, you have perfected praise? He left them and went out of the city to Bethany and camped there. So this is the story of Palm Sunday, and uh, we actually just celebrated Palm Sunday, didn't we? But verse 1 talks about how Jesus and his disciples were going to Jerusalem. One of my previous episodes, I mentioned that it was actually the proper thing to do for young men was to travel to Jerusalem during Passover. This was something that would have been expected, honestly, of Jesus and his disciples. It was a tradition. I believe it was anybody who lived within 15 miles, or at least any man that lived within 15 miles, was expected, actually expected to travel to Jerusalem Uh, for the Passover. So the city would have been insanely crowded with just all sorts of people who were coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So, so crowded. It says that Jesus and his disciples also made this trip into Jerusalem. And it says that they came near a place called Beth's 
phage. <laughs> I don't actually know uh, how to say that. Bethsphagy. Bethsphage. <laughs> I just made a really good guess when I was reading it. But um, they came to this place called Beth's Fodge to the Mount of Olives, which was near the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into a village, go to that village over there, which is opposite of us. And he says, you guys are going to find a donkey and a colt tied up together. Now, a donkey and a colt would have been tied up together because the donkey was obviously the mother. The colt would have been her baby. Now, this colt liked to have the mother nearby, which is why the two donkeys would have been together and why Jesus asked his disciples to bring both to him because uh, the, the donkey would have wanted to have her baby nearby and also the baby would have felt more comfortable with the mother nearby. So Jesus says to his disciples after this, he says, if anybody asks you why you're untying the two donkeys, all you have to do is say to them, my Lord needs these and they will let you take them. So this is exactly what happened. And so it says the disciples did just as Jesus commanded them in verse six, and he brought them the donkey and the colt. And it happened exactly as Jesus said it would. The people asked them, uh, what are you doing? Why are you untying those, those animals? And the disciples said exactly what Jesus told them to say. And they're like, oh, okay, you can take them then. And maybe the, the people who owned those uh, two animals knew who Jesus was or knew of him and were honored that Jesus would uh, use their animals to ride through the city. Who knows? I don't know. But the people end up letting Jesus, Jesus' disciples, I should say, take the two animals and bring them to Jesus. And it says in verse 4 that all of this was done to fulfill the prophecy from Zechariah. Zechariah 9 verse 9 actually says, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king comes to you humbly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. So Jesus rode on the colt, the baby donkey, not on the mother, but he wanted both with him because the mother donkey would have made the colt feel secure. So Jesus did end up riding on the colt or the baby donkey. And it says that this is a humble thing to do in Zechariah. This was extremely humble because a donkey was not an animal that people uh, praised. A donkey was a common man's animal. It was something that was to carry burdens. The donkey was the animal that had, would have all of the stuff just put on top of it so that the person could carry their merchandise into the city and back out and whatever else. A donkey was a working animal that would often have lots of loads on its back. And Jesus rode on that donkey so this was a very humble thing for Jesus to do because the donkey was not a fantastic, magnificent creature, but it was a creature that carried burdens. So this was just showing more of Jesus's character that he was not a person that tooted his own horn. Like I like to say that he was not a person that tooted his own horn. He was not somebody that was like, I am God. I am uh, the son of the most high God. I am, you know, he, he never did any of that stuff. He was so humble, constantly giving of himself, constantly taking burdens upon himself for us. And, you know, he was just such a humble, humble person. So this is the prophecy being fulfilled from Zechariah that Jesus would go through the city. A king would go through the city 
riding on the back of a donkey. Now, probably when people read this verse in Zechariah before Jesus did this, they probably thought that was absurd. What king rides through a city on the back of a donkey? That's absolutely absurd. A king would ride on a horse or on an elephant or some sort of magnificent creature, but not on a donkey. So this would have been absurd to read that back then, you know, uh, knowing that donkeys are not a fantastic, magnificent animal, but that is what Jesus chose to ride on because it was a humble animal. And Jesus was a humble person who was going to take loads upon his own back, the, the uh, burdens of our sins upon his own shoulders. So after this, it says that Jesus's disciples went and just as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid some of their coats across the colt. And Jesus sat on the coats. And so all of a sudden, this great multitude is gathering in the streets. And it says that they spread their clothes on the road. So they're taking their their overcoats off. They're spreading it on the road just to show, um, you know, Jesus that they recognize him as a king. And it says that others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The palm branches, the reason they used to um, uh, wave palm branches, and I actually talked about this in the devotionals I, I recently published. The palm branches at the time would almost be like waving the national flag. So the people would cut down palm branches whenever there was a person that was to be praised um, coming through the city. Almost like waving, you know, I'm from America, almost like waving the American flag. These people would cut the palm branches down and wave those showing their praise for this person. And it was often something that was done for officials, warriors, and people who had just conquered, uh, you know, and, and come from battles. And so when these people are doing this, they are truly believing these, these people from Jerusalem are truly believing that Jesus is going to conquer the Roman Empire. And yet Jesus is humbly riding through the city on the back of a donkey. <laughs> and these people are thinking that he is going to use his miraculous power to overthrow the Roman Empire and bring Israel to, you know, glory. And uh, just as Isaiah says, they, they think that Jesus is going to be the one at that time to conquer and to raise Israel up and Israel will live in harmony forever and ever with their Messiah. This is what they believe. And they got it wrong. Kind of. I mean, yes, Jesus is going to, in the end times, be the king. He's going to sit on the throne. He's going to raise Jerusalem up. He's going to make a new world and everything's going to be in peace and harmony. But that hasn't happened yet. But this is what these people believe is going to happen. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah who's going to uh, conquer all of their enemies and uh, raise Israel up in uh, honor, basically. And so they they are waving these palm branches as if Jesus is some sort of a warrior who is going to go and conquer the Roman Empire. So they are about ready to make Jesus their king. So this was perfect timing for Jesus to honestly die for the sins of humanity. Perfect timing. Because if it had been any later, they would have forced Jesus to be the king. But if it had been any earlier, the people wouldn't have recognized Jesus 
as the king. So it was really perfect timing. And so Jesus is riding through the city. The people are waving these palm branches. They're singing praises. And they say, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Hosanna was actually a word that means save. So they're saying, save, save. So this is more proof that these this multitude believes that Jesus is going to save them, not from their sins, but save them from the Romans. They say, save, save us to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They're recognizing now Jesus as the Messiah. They are saying, this, this crowd is saying that Jesus is the son of David, which was another name for the Messiah. They finally recognize now that Jesus is the Messiah. They just don't know what his purpose really was. But he was the Hosanna. He was coming to save. But it wasn't in the way the people wanted. The people wanted Jesus to save them from their enemies, but not from their sins. And it just shows that God works way differently than we expect him to work all the time. He always works differently than we expect, and it's always for the best, however God works. I'm learning that more and more and more. The more I read through the scriptures and just with my own life, things just never really turn out how I expect them to turn out. It's always a little bit different, and it's always much more different than I would want. (laughs) So even though, you know, God doesn't work the way we think he's going to work, and sometimes we have to go through uh, trials and tribulations and stuff like that, you know, it always turns out for the best. God always has the best possible plan for us. You know, when Jesus died, his disciples thought it was over. They thought that Jesus was dead. You know, they didn't, they were terrified. They were hiding up in the rooms because they were so scared. But that wasn't the end. You know, in the short term, they had to deal with that pain. But in the long term, it was awesome. You know, Jesus rose from the dead. They got to experience that. They experienced the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And they experienced Jesus in his resurrected form, how important that was for what Jesus did. You know, they finally understood it. But, you know, beforehand, it wasn't anything that they expected. And it's always like that. It's never going to be the way we expect. God does not think the way we think. He is way higher than us. And so he is going to do things the way that is best, even though in the short term, it might feel kind of cruddy to us in the long term, it's going to be amazing and beautiful and working for our collective good. After this, sorry for that spiel, that wasn't exactly um, (laughs) a part of uh, this chapter. But it says that after this, they were cutting the branches, singing to him, and all of Jerusalem was all stirred up. So everyone that lived there, Perhaps even the Romans that lived there were all like, who is this man coming through? And the entire city is stirred up because of Jesus going through the city. And the crowd is saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so after this, Jesus kind of retreats. It doesn't actually say how Jesus got away from the multitudes, but maybe he just went straight to the temple. I don't know. But it says after this that Jesus 
entered the temple of God. I should talk a little bit about the temple for a second. The temple was a huge, huge gathering place. It had an inner spot, it had an in spot, and then it had an outdoor spot. The temple was huge. Tons of people could fit inside the temple. So when Jesus, it says here that uh, Jesus drove out all of those who were selling and buying in the temple, and he overthrew the money changers tables and the seats of those who sold the doves. So he's, you know, going into the temple, which was a huge spot, and he sees all these people buying and selling in the temple. Now, these people who were selling, these merchants, were selling these doves. And this was such a twisted thing to do. Because firstly, the people were supposed to bring their own doves to be sacrificed. Secondly, these people were acting like it's a business. You know, you buy your dove, you get your sins cleaned. You know, you you kill this little animal and your sins are just forgiven. If you've ever read my uh, posts on um, sacrifice, I really go into detail about what sacrifice was and why people did it and why God had commanded it in the beginning. It was something that was supposed to be done solemnly. Like you are putting your sins on this innocent animal. You are supposed to be thinking about your sins, the life of this animal, how it's innocently taking the place for you in its death. And yet these people were acting like it's a business, you know, buy your dove, be cleansed of your sins. And this was such a twisted way to look at this. So Jesus goes into this temple and he overturns all these tables, gets rid of the money, maybe releases the doves. And he says to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Isaiah 56 verse 7, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jeremiah 7, 11. So the third thing that was wrong with this was just the amount of greed that was happening in God's temple. Wasn't this a place you're supposed to be rid of your sins? Of course it was. But these people are making it uh, this, this horrible, greedy enterprise, I suppose, and just using God's temple to desecrate it with their own greed. This was a place you're supposed to be cleansed of your sins, but none of this was happening. And also they're exploiting. I mean, there's so many different reasons why this was just absurd, but also they're exploiting people who are poor and turning people astray to, from the truth. And oh my goodness, I could go on about this for a while, but we're already over time. So after this, uh, after Jesus uh, drives out these merchants from the temple, it says that the lame and the blind came to him in the temple and he healed them. He became accessible to the people. After he drove them out, he attended to the needs of those who needed it. Meanwhile, these merchants were taking from the, the poor people, the poor people like these people who were lame and blind. But Jesus is sitting there in the temple healing them, teaching them, uh, telling them the truth, giving them what they really need, forgiveness and the truth. And it says that the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and how the children, even the children, were in the temple and they were crying to Jesus, singing praises to him, Hosanna to the son of David. The priests and the scribes became indignant. Imagine that you're seeing Jesus and these wonderful miracles that he's doing. It says when they saw the wonderful things that he did, they knew these things were wonderful. They knew Jesus was a prophet. And yet they still 
were just so overcome by jealousy that they just despised Jesus. They despised him. And it was after they saw Jesus doing these wonderful things. They knew they couldn't do these things. They didn't have that kind of power. Jesus did. And when they heard the children, even the children singing to Jesus, they said to Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying about you? They are calling you the Messiah. You need to tell them to stop. And Jesus responds uh, pretty funny. He says, yes, I hear them. Have you never read the scriptures? <laughs> oh, I bet they got mad about that one. He says, out of the mouth of children and nursing babies, you have perfected praise. And so he's saying that, you know, I think there's another verse in another uh, um chapter of the Bible that talks about how if these children aren't going to cry out to their praises, uh, even the rocks will cry out. And so Jesus was saying, don't stop them. Let them cry out these praises. You know, these children are innocent. They, they know, they understand, you know, Jesus really loved the children. I, I've talked about that quite a bit as well, about how much Jesus regarded children and loved them. And so he was happy that these children were singing their praises to him and uh, children are so innocent. And he was upset that the scribes couldn't see this, couldn't understand, you know, that the children even understood who Jesus was, but the scribes who knew the scriptures backwards and forwards did not understand who Jesus was. After this, Jesus leaves that area and it says that he camped outside the city near Bethany and he, he stayed there until the Passover dinner. So um, this was Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 17. We will finish out this chapter on um, Tuesday. So join me then and uh, Definitely subscribe to the blog, www.p40ministries.com slash the blog. And take a look at the blog posts that I have up. I have one that I just wrote for Hello Mornings that will be up on Saturday. I will um, throw a link to that in the bio of the podcast episode. But subscribe to the blog if you would. And also rate the podcast five stars from wherever you're listening from, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or wherever else. A review would be so beneficial and so helpful for me and for the P40 Ministries podcast to get uh, spread even further. So that would be an excellent way for you to support the P40 Ministries podcast. But friends and faithful listeners, have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless. <music>